Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium. With your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, this is Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. We're here to pump up your parenting skills, pump up your knowledge, pump up your energy. Welcome to Parent Pump Radio. Our show is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And be sure to subscribe to our RSS feed so you will be notified automatically of new shows. If you're looking for a speaker for your organization or event, please go to my website at integrativeminds.com to learn more about what I offer and contact me at info at integrativeminds.com to schedule a meeting time. That information is in the show notes. And be sure to join us for our Family Financial Freedom Workshop live in the city of Torrance, California, or you can via live stream on Facebook. This workshop, as well as our theme for 2019 on Parent Pump Radio, is geared to help families learn, act, and implement strategies to become financially free. All the information is in the show notes. So let's talk about our guests today. They are authors, and they recently published a book called My Little Peanut Does the Nuttiest Things. Our first co-author is a writer, book reviewer, and former advertising copywriter. She's written several books featuring underdog characters, appeared on television and in mom blogs, written radio scripts for the Click It or Ticket national campaign, and for Operation Lifesaver with well-known country stars, including Charlie Daniels. She's also a participant of the Hillsborough County Anti-Bullying Advisory Committee and wrote a book about bullying called Bullied dying to fit in. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Normandy Piccolo. Hi, Normandy. Hi, Jacqueline. How are you? I'm good. Other author is also known as Sunny. She is a barista by day and a fine arts painter, sculptor, and illustrator by night. She has a passion for expressing her creativity through acrylic, watercolor, wood burning, and writing short stories. And she hopes to share her artistic experiences with the world in order to heal while also helping those who have been through similar circumstances. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Elizabeth Marie. Hi, Elizabeth. Hello, Jacqueline. How are you? (laughs) Good. We talk offline how you guys are like twins from... uh, Probably another life somewhere. Yep, sisters from another mother or mister, I guess. Right, right. (laughs) Tell us how you guys found each other, and then what made you so inspired to write this book? So we first met as I'm a barista at a local coffee shop named Mojo's, and, you know, we have books, coffee, records, and Normandy would always come in getting so many records and I would always go through them as I'm ringing out. I'm like, oh, I, I remember this album. Oh, I love this one. And I remember I pointed out this uh, Amy Winehouse one for her soundtrack for the movie that would, uh, was coming out. And so we talked about that for a while. And the next thing you know, I asked her what she did and she told me it was an author. And we really connected because I loved art and I'm writing stuff myself. So from there, it just blossomed into this, you know, beautiful friendship. And, you know, here we are today. 
You sound like you have a lot of things in common. Oh yeah. Yes. And every day we find out something else that we have in common. Exactly. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> the craziest thing is that we were born at the same exact hospital yeah. in Fairfax, Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. Completely yeah. different years. Cause we're from uh, two completely different generations. Yeah. So that was hilarious. So whenever I said it, she's like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> but what are the odds? And then we meet, uh, you know, we, we're born in Virginia, same hospital, and then we end up meeting in Tampa, Florida, yeah. of all places. Wow. Okay. What started the conversation like, hey, let's write this book? Well, um, I do a lot of the art for the coffee shop around, uh, you know, promotion, social media and stuff like that. And I have so much that I do all the seasonal boards. And so uh, she got to see what I could do as far as, my, you know, uh, my talents go for art. And so she asked if I would be on board for illustrating her books. And I said, of course I would. That sounds amazing. I've always wanted to do that. So that's how she got me immediately. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and the funny thing is I've been looking for an illustrator for a really long time and she was just like a few miles down the road the whole time. <laughs> there you go. Sometimes they're just right in your backyard. Yeah. It's like, what do you call it? Like a divine appointment almost. Know, right? Your book, My Little Peanut Does the Nuttiest Things. Most of the people that listen to this show have teens or preteens or kids in college. So we're going to ask you guys out there in listener world to kind of go back to when your children were toddlers or around that age, because that's what this book is about. And I think sometimes we forget that our teens were cute little babies at one time, right? (laughs) different problems different things I was just actually with a friend and she was babysitting her grandchild and he was about a year old and brings back memories I loved it let's remember when our teens were toddler tell us some things about the book regarding that and take us back yeah so for with memory lane um is what we wanted to theme it off because you know with teenagers and toddlers you know they do have similarities between the two and you know even just going back to hilarious stories that you had as a kid I remember uh I was such a quiet child my parents they wanted a second you know child to keep me company because they always thought that I was so quiet I don't know why but uh I you know I, I loved reading and everything so I was very easily kept amused by myself and they brought him in and he destroyed everything of mine, every toy I ever had. He'd come in and just destroy it. And for the longest time, I would beg my mother, I'm like, just take him back. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. And I love my brother. And it was just going back to those times where it was just much simpler. It was just, you know, having those memories come back to everyone of just all the funny things that your children have done or said. I remember my parents laid out a bunch of money. I didn't even know what money was at this time. And I took it off the counter and I was just wrapping my uh, Barbie dolls in it, thinking it was clothing. (laughs) And so whenever my mother finally found it, she was, granted, I didn't cut anything up. I was just folding it. So she got a good laugh out of that. But you know, the silly things that we do that we get to all reminisce and it's, one of my favorite things for sure. Yeah, I think normally you talk about how kids have funny words to explain things because they can't exactly pronounce it. <laughs> no, no. One of my favorites, and and it's actually it's double hilarious because I'm Italian. I could not say the word spaghetti when I was a kid. I would always say buschetti. I just <laughs> I could never get it right. <laughs> yeah, my daughter couldn't say French fry, so she would say schwenschwai. <laughs> it, it was Schwenschwai 
and uh, my uh, my sister, her name is Denise, and uh, she couldn't say Denise, and it was always Nieces. Now my daughter is fourteen, my son's eleven, and they still call my sister Nisi, and that's like her nickname for the family oh, is Nisi. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. I got my nickname was Pooh Bear because I was always eating honey. <laughs> Oh, that's cute. (laughs) That's what my dad, that's what he used to call me. Actually, he still does. So I think the other thing, uh, their ability to somehow selectively not hear what you're saying or asking them to do or not do. Don't touch that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that, you know, it's funny because my parents growing up, I was like a little bit rebellious (laughs) and certain. Like finger crossing there because, yeah, I was really rebellious. But, yeah, my mom was notorious for saying, don't do this, don't do that. And I was determined to do that. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and looking back now, you know, it's I was wanting her attention and I was pushing those boundaries for her attention. Yeah, that's that. If you talk to uh, or read books about parenting, that's what they say. It's really about attention. And uh, teen- yeah. teenagers are no different when you tell them not to do something, right? <laughs> I so think true. we all so been true. there ourselves. You know, you got to come home at this time or you got to call me. Or you got to answer the phone and they don't. Yeah, but it's kind of funny, though, because like, I can remember as a teen pushing boundaries with my parents, you know, like breaking curfews and things like that, just to, you know, just because I was having fun, not really so much doing it deliberately. But on the one hand, it's like, yeah, I appreciated when they came down on me and they reprimanded me because then I knew like they cared, even though I was mad at the grounding that happened, you know, but at the same time, I don't really know why I did it other than, you know, just being a kid and, you know. You just, you don't think a lot of times you just do. Mm -hmm. Well, on a physical level, the brain's not fully developed. So (laughs) they're only firing at anywhere between a 10% capacity to up till, you know, at the age of 25, which is when they're fully developed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely don't tell them that because then they'll use that as an excuse. Uh, Right, right. Yeah. unless my brain wasn't working yeah yeah tell us about the difference between telling a toddler no and a teenager no oh what have you what have you found the difference well for a toddler well they're almost kind of equal in, in a way I mean they both don't like it they both tend to immediately overreact um but a toddler I think tends to be more um I guess what physical in their in their their distaste for whatever's happening whereas a teenager sort of get silent huffs and, you know, will go away. Mm-hmm. Kind of pulls the silent treatment. So one is like a passive rebellion and the other one is like a very overt rebellion. Yeah, exactly. 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 Because yeah, I, I have seen some toddlers. I saw a, a man one time, a father, he was in the grocery store with his daughter and they were in the cereal aisle and the daughter wanted a particular cereal. And he's like, no, because he was trying to pick something healthy. She wanted something loaded with sugar. So they literally started in on this negotiation. <laughs> and when the little girl realized she was not getting her way, boom, she pulled out that tantrum card, slapped that sucker down, and that was it. And it was on. And you know what ended up happening? The sugary cereal ended up going in the cart. Oh, no. Well, hey, if it works, you're going to keep doing it, right? That's what these parents don't realize. Yeah, so she knew, man. She had daddy wrapped around her little finger, and she knew exactly what to do. It was like, okay, dad, I'll do the negotiation card thing with you for a minute. I'll play the game, but then, nope, it's going to be my way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my kids tried that one time and uh, realized that did not go with me. 
We have very clear boundaries. I don't think they've ever laid down the ground and threw a tantrum. I think they, at one time, they tried to cry to get something in. Off we went, straight home, nothing else, and they never got to go to the store again. And so, that- well, you know, it's funny because when I was a kid, I pulled a tantrum really bad. I remember at a Kmart, I was with my grandmother, and she was old school. And I'll tell you what, she was not having it. Uh-uh. <laughs> my my mom was gracious, and she would be real polite and sweet, and you know, talk to me. But oh no, not my grandmother. <laughs> oh no. Oh, it was on when we got back to the house. And you knew, you knew you never do that again. (laughs) He got that right. I never did it again. And you know, and it's funny now because when I look back on it now as an adult, it's like, I I almost love her more for having done that. Mm. You know, at the time I was mad and upset and grandma doesn't love me and how dare her, you know, reprimand me. But looking back now, yeah, it it helped put some structure in my life and and help me learn like you know what you can't always get what you want mm-hmm. and just because you don't get it doesn't mean that you turn around and start acting and here's the thing i think a lot of parents are embarrassed when their child does that on the floor but they don't realize that all of us parents and even if you're not a parent you may be an uncle or an aunt you've seen it really there's nothing to be embarrassed about i mean it's actually very humorous just let your child throw a tantrum there exactly it's completely normal at that point yeah. and, uh, i sometimes I sometimes make a joke, though, if a kid is really, I mean, really like wailing, like screaming, one of those like high pitched screams where your ears are like, oh, my right, God, then take him out of the off. store. Yeah. I usually make a joke and say that that right there is a commercial for birth control for teenagers <laughs> right there. Yeah. My daughter tried that at one time first, the very first time. And we basically just walked out of the store back in the car, straight home. And that was it. <laughs> Like that's how it's done. There's right nothing there. there that I need that bad that I have to hang out. Exactly. That's that's exactly how it's done. Yeah. yeah. Setting those boundaries. The yeah. one thing I think parents always are frightened about is the terrible two stage, which I find that it kind of goes into the terrible three also. It's never just one year. And now that I have a teenager, I can kind of see the similarity to 13 and 14, maybe even for parents who have 15-year-olds. So what have you found the similarity? For like the terrible twos to threes, you'll see like whenever they're trying to get more independent and they want to, like my nephew, he would try and zip up a zipper from his jacket and he, he couldn't, he didn't know how to do it, but he was so determined to do it. So I'd always just have to like try and start it for him to teach him because anytime he would just hit me, like tap my hand. No, I got it. I got it. I was like, I can do this for you though. No, I got it. And it was just hilarious. So then when you revert back to like teenagers, they're trying to claim their own independence too. And when you try and help them with anything, they're like, mom, I've got this. I got it. Don't worry. You know? And it's, I think it's adorable. However, you know, it develops that stage between like childhood to teen, becoming a teenager and, you know, not, not a little bit, bit of things change for sure, but it all reverts down to the same thing is just trying to, you know, at that point claim their independence from their parent and trying to, you know, do something on their own, even if they don't think they can do it or they, they think they can, but we know we can't, yeah. <laughs> we can't do it just quite right just yet. It's adorable. Almost like self-discovery. Yeah. And this annoying belief that they know it all. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's, oh yes. That's one. <laughs> well into their older years. <laughs> Some never grew out of that one. Yeah, no. <laughs> and, and that we don't know anything because we're not from their generation. Exactly. Exactly. And it's so funny. And it, you know, it's, I hear some stories from some of my friends who have, uh, you know, kids that are teenagers and 
what's so funny is the kids will try to pull, you know, stuff on them, sneak, lie, you know, do all those little tricks of the trade that teens do. And they think they outwit their parents. And it's like, well, my, my mom will never figure this out. And then when mom figures it out, they look and they're like, well, how did you know? And it's like, did the same thing. Did, yep, <laughs> then they're done it. And you're messing with the masters. So don't even try. Don't embarrass yourself. Yep. Yep. I have to say, though, there's one area that the teens have got us which is the electronics, definitely. the iPads, the iPods, the iPhone, like technology. They are definitely ahead of us on that one. And it seems like a race to keep up with with them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. And it, it, to me, it, some of that stuff gets a little frightening, too, because there's a lot of apps and there's so many they spill out like almost on a daily basis. And parents can't keep up with it. And some of these apps are even designed to be in secret. So they don't even know that some things are even on their kids' phones. And computers and things. and then parents aren't I don't know if it's that they don't want to invade their child's privacy by you know demanding to see the electronics to see what's going on and, mm-hmm. and be, you know find you know be more in tune with what their child's doing mm-hmm. what sites they're going to who are they talking to things of that nature and I know that there's there's a lot of issues with that yeah definitely I mean I know at the school they have a full technology department because every time they ban a website the kids find a way around to get to another website that gives them the same information so it's just constant exactly you can't ban enough websites anymore because they just keep coming out with with more websites that's true or different ways to link to it i know quite a few ways you can get around it by just switching it to like a different country and then from there from who's one going to it yeah there's a lot of different ideas <laughs> and, and, and then and then now we talk about the apps, like what they're doing on these apps. The some of these teenagers are posting nudes of themselves, and it may be just to a boy, and then all of a sudden the boy captures that screenshot, and it's out on Instagram and Snapchat. Mm-hmm. And you, you know what they're not realizing too when they do that that sexting is that in a sense it's consider child pornography, even though it's being exchanged between teenager to teenager, it's still viewed that way. Mm -hmm. And depending upon the laws in the state, some of the law, some of the the states rather are really starting to crack down on that. And and it's a shame because some kids have already been labeled and put on lists as, Mm -hmm. as a sexually uh, abuseless Mm -hmm. predators and things, which I don't think is appropriate because kids don't, they don't understand what they're doing. They're looking for acceptance, but they're going about it the wrong way and they just don't realize it. Right, right. Yeah. And, and electronics is almost like a drug. I mean, I, I see one year old, 18 months old, if you give them a phone, they'll figure out how to swipe left, swipe right. And it's pretty scary. It is very scary. Very scary. And they also drain down batteries if they get a hold of the phone and start taking selfies. And oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to one of my friends, her phone was completely dead. And she was like, I know I charged it. I know I did. And and then when she pulls it up, she starts looking and there's like pictures of the carpet and the ceiling and like all these just weird things. Mm. And she figured out that her, her little toddler had gotten a hold of the phone and just, you know, the kid didn't know what it what Somehow doing? figured out what they were doing, but didn't really know what they were doing and just went to town and snapping away until <laughs> the phone didn't work. I, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with just having to teach your children responsibilities every moment, every day, and, and they're going to messed up. That's just part of life. And that's a part of learning. Uh, I think that there's things that we can do to increase their character and responsibilities. I think one of the key key things is that a lot of parents I see, they're trying to be their child's friend and not their parent. 
And I think that that's where a lot of it, a lot of parents are messing up. I mean, there is a time where you can and you will form a, a friendship bond with your child. But when your child is growing and you, like you started to say, you're starting to form the character and the integrity and all those things, you're trying to put all these things into your child. It's important to be a parent first. Mm-hmm. A role model for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and they have friends. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But you're the only parent. They can't get another parent. Well, I mean, I guess if you get divorced and married again, I mean, you know, there's others, those things. But really, you're. they need parents in their life. They need someone to guide them, teach them responsibility, teach them how to be a character, citizen, and they've got tons of friends. Yeah, I think another thing too is even if they do mess up, because, you know, everyone's bound to mess up once or twice. It oh, does happen. That's life. But learning from that, uh, from that scenario or situation yeah. and growing from it to understand what you did wrong, what you could do better in the future and what you can do to prevent from that, you know, incident happening, happening again. And that's something that I think a lot of parents are also missing because they're just reprimanding their children, you know, no TV, no Xbox, I'm taking this away. No, you need to let them know, you know, sit them down and say, you know, okay, well, this happened. Where are we going to go from here? You know, what are we going to learn from this incident instead of just completely ignoring a situation that you could learn from it, learn so much. And yeah, you guys talk about uh, using chores to build responsibilities and character. Yeah, I, you know, I can remember growing up um, around the house, we would have to do things anywhere from dusting furniture to doing laundry. I mean, there's, of course, basic cleaning your room, you know, those types of responsibilities. If you were a guy, a boy, you could go and, you know, cut lawns and and do, you know, other things, um, you know, and basically at the end of the week or a month or depending on how your parents did it, you know, you get a a couple bucks. Mm -hmm. And then from the money that you would earn, then you could decide, well, am I going to save it? And, you know, if there was something that you wanted, instead of mom and dad running out and buying it for you, because you, you know, you felt entitled to have it. It's like, no, 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 you're going to work for this. You're going to earn it. And it starts teaching responsibility on a, on a double level Mm -hmm. responsibility to do, you know, a chore that that's been given to you, AKA like a job and then the money. And then how are you going to manage and handle your money and your finance Mm -hmm. early on? In your opinion, well, how early do you think that? we should be giving chores for toddlers. I would say I was making my bed when I was a toddler. Yeah. I, I had to pick up my toys and stuff by the time I was like four, yeah, put them I'll away. Say, in I'm the not going to make a toddler do laundry. That's, yeah, that's no. a little too. Far, yeah, but, but, you, but you can start teaching a toddler, like little simple things. things. Yeah, yeah. Like just picking up your toys and putting them back in a bucket or a little, you know, little toy chest thing, something as simple as that. Mm. And yeah, I agree. And then as far as older chore responsibility, I think, think probably normally I would say price during around the age of 12, but kids nowadays are so advanced. Mm-hmm. I would almost even back it down to the age of 10 almost because they just, they're so mm-hmm. ahead of us, you know, um, in a lot of ways. The word chores always seems very negative. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and right. And, and I think it's just teaching them about how to be able to take care of themselves. Yeah. Right. Well, maybe uh, doing laundry, cleaning yourself, cleaning your house. These are things I remember I have, I have videos of my 18 month old daughter copying me uh, by wiping the walls down because I would wipe the walls and I have videos of her doing the same thing. Oh, wow. We're an Asian family. So all the shoes are left out in the front or at least, you know, front area. And I have videos of her crawling over and putting shoes away in baskets because they were out. So it was really cute that she sees that. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe like a better word for the chores would be like life responsibility 
responsibilities, because essentially that's what you're teaching is responsibilities that are that they're going to use later in life, because when they get older, they're going to get a job and they're going to have to learn responsibilities of whatever those the job entails. And then they're going to get, you know, financial responsibilities as well, because eventually they'll get their own place and they're going to have to be responsible for, you know, food, rent, you know, all those things that car payments. Right, right. You're going to do a giveaway to our listeners. Can you tell us a little bit about the giveaway? Yeah, um, we're just going to have the book, My Little Peanut Does the Nuttiest Things, you know, available. I'm going to set it up um, on Amazon through Amazon. So it'll go directly, you know, whoever the lucky winners are, and they're going to be quite a few. (laughs) <laughs> quite a few yeah. I'm going to be generous be generous because I'm just a giver by nature so I just always love to just so the link to that giveaway is going to be in the show notes listener yes awesome and uh, any final thoughts uh, we just want to say you know thank you for giving us this opportunity to be heard to get our adorable book out there you know let people know the funny things that you know children do you know for new parents uh, even for you know grandparents remembering uh, for any parent in general, just yeah. seeing the funny things and reminiscing in those times is just one of my favorite things to really go back to. And I just loved illustrating it. And Normandy did a wonderful job with it. And it's just something that brought us closer together. So I hope it also, you know, brings families closer together as well. Yeah. Laughter, laughter is always a good thing, especially, you know, when you get families together and especially when you can tie that laughter into good, you know, fond memories Mm -hmm. because there's just, there's so much negative in the world and so many people, everybody's so busy, 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 busy all the time. And it's, it's very rare that you take those moments to just sit down as a family and just reminisce about Mm -hmm. those times, you know? They say that 90, I think that statistic is like 90% of books on people's bookshelf have only been read to the first chapter. There are some books that are fun, like yours, that you're just kind of reminiscing about those times where you will read it through the end because it's a short book. It's not long and it's fun and we like fun. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's relatable because I will guarantee you that there's at least one or two scenarios in there that somebody's going to read and go, oh my gosh, I either I did that or oh my gosh, my kids so did that. Yeah, it's actually a really good conversation piece. If you have a gathering or a party, it's like pull one idea out and say, okay, I'm gonna read this. And now you guys tell me what happened in your life or as a parent, almost a little game. Yeah, that's that's actually a really great idea because again, a lot of times, so many people are so you know busy. It's like the book of questions. Have you seen those? The book of questions where you just ask. <laughs> so yes. it, it kind exactly. of brings that as parents together, like the book of questions. You know, thank you so much for writing this book, and I know it came from your heart and your passion, and that's always a wonderful gift to the world. Listeners, you can find Elizabeth and Normandy at www.normandybrightideas.com. Now, that link is in the show notes, so just go down there and, and click on the website and also their Amazon author page and the link to their free giveaway. Ladies, I want to thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. The quote of the week is by Pablo Picasso. Action is the fundamental key to all success. Thank you, listener, and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, 
go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. And while you're at our website, sign up to receive a free gift. Until next time, have a wonderful week.